welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Well, welcome. Glad you're here today. My name's Matt, and um, I'm a part of the team at Empower Church, and we're glad you're with us today. I'm excited. I believe God's going to speak to you. I believe 2022 is going to be an amazing year for your life and for our church community. And so wherever you are, however you're streaming or watching this, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, the list probably goes on. Just want to take the opportunity to uh, welcome you. It's wonderful to have you here today. If you are wanting more information about who we are, about what we've going on as a church, just head over to our website, um, empowerchurch.co. If you're a part of the North community, just click the North button there. That'll take you a page that'll just give you all the weekly details of what's happening. If you're a part of the East, same thing. Um, we're um, not necessarily kind of doing the weekly Sunday thing at the moment and time slots are different and all those sorts of things as we kind of navigate um, a few situations with venues and things like that as we come out of um, our lockdowns here locally in Melbourne. So uh, keep your eyes on the website, on social media and all that. And uh, if you are wanting more connection um, and you're just wanting more information about who we are, uh, maybe you have a prayer request, maybe you have a praise point, I'm not sure. Um, or maybe you just want to connect into the life of Empower Church. We'd love that. And at the very bottom of the website on that opening page is a connect with us form that you can just simply fill out our team get it, and I promise you we'll be in touch. We look forward to doing that. Awesome. Well, I want to get straight into the Word today. We're going to read this text in Luke 17, and then we are going to pray, and I'm just going to preach the gospel to you, the goodness of who Jesus is. So come on, let's read Luke chapter 17. It's going to be on the screen for your convenience if you're watching, um, but let's read it. Luke 17, verse number 11. And this is what the word of God says to, a, to us today. Now it happened as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers, who stood far off and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. He fell down on his face at his feet. I love that. Another translation says he threw himself at the feet of Jesus and fell down on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, 
Were there not 10 cleanse? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Father, as we approach your word today, we approach it with humility. We thank you, Father, that you are your word, that your word is infallible, that your word is powerful, that the the word of God is your voice to us as a generation. And even though it was written hundreds, thousands of years ago, we thank you, Father, that the text, the voice of the text speaks right into our circumstance, our situations and what we're going through right now. So we humbly submit ourselves to receive We humbly, Father, approach your word with ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us through the word. We thank you, Father, that long before the earth was created was the word and the word, according to the Gospel of John, became in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. And John chapter 1 and verse 6 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled. And Lord, that's what we're asking you to do again. We're asking you to come in a new and a powerful way, in a way that we haven't experienced before. And let your word come. Speak to our hearts, change our lives as we humbly submit ourselves and come before you. Let your spirit, let the Holy Spirit be made manifest right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, Jesus is a radical man and wherever Jesus went, as it should be the expression of our own Christianity, crazy things happened. Did you know pretty much all of Jesus' miracles just about happened outside of the church walls, outside of the temple, outside of the synagogue? And I believe Jesus was modelling to us the power of the kingdom in the world that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness could not comprehend that light. I think Jesus was modelling to us that as long as we try to keep and express our Christianity within the walls of a building, then we're going to limit the miraculous that we see flow through our lives. And Jesus is simply passing through Galilee and Samaria in the midst of it. He's on some pathway in between them, scholars Uh, kind of wonder why, why he's doing this. And it can be a bit confusing. Is he going to Jerusalem? Some scholars say because his ultimate purpose was to go into Jerusalem, the place that he would end up being crucified, where he would carry the weight of your sins and my sins upon his shoulders. Was that why he was on this pathway? Some other scholars um, don't really know or, or say it's hard to be sure simply because Luke, um, some of Luke's gospel seems to not be in chronological order, um, but more in this pattern of uh, as the Lukean gospel is taught, he's trying to show us different things in a different way, less uh, like Matthew, who was more chronological, saying this is how it happened. Luke is just trying to make a point. And some of those points I want to bring out of the text today, I believe that God wants to speak to us. The first thing that I want to say is that as we read the Bible and as we exegete it, which means kind of, um, which means study, I suppose, and which means investigate the text, 
and learn what it was saying, not just to the audience of Luke, but also what was Jesus trying to do and show the disciples in that moment, but also not only what was it saying to them, but what is it saying to us? And then what is the application for me? One of the things that we must do as we're reading the Bible is find ourselves within the scriptures. I'm not saying literally I am Jesus or you are Jesus or you're a leper or that, but metaphorically speaking, it's important for us to allow the spirit to illuminate the pages of the text so that we can see our lives within the Bible. And I feel today, whilst we are uh, taught and Paul teaches us that um, we've got to imitate Jesus and we know the whole thing about being a follower of Jesus is, and we know that Jesus taught us himself that we are going to do greater things than he ever did. And so whilst it is perfect, perfectly reasonable not to pretend we are Jesus by any means, we could never compare, we could never be um, be in that place where we could say we are like Jesus in his perfection. But we certainly are encouraged to find ourselves and understand that now Jesus has ascended to the earth, uh, ascended to heaven from the earth. We are now encouraged, we are compelled by the gospels, by the power of the spirit to realize that now Jesus, just like he lived his life, he is calling us to live in the same way, bringing the kingdom of God to this world. And so when there's leprosy, God is calling you as you find yourself in the, in the shoes, in the dusty sandals of Jesus, as you find yourself in, in the text through the man Jesus, metaphorically speaking, you and I can say, well, where are the lepers that we're called to minister to? Where, 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 what are the five loaves and fish that I'm called to multiply? What is the miracle of blindness that I'm called to heal in my generation? What injustice is happening in the world that God is calling me to really stand in the gap and be Christ into a broken world? But likewise, we also must find ourselves in the other characters in the Bible, whether it's the disciples or or the Apostle Paul, or whoever it might be, but it's important that we look. And today, I believe that all of us in some way, shape, or another can find ourselves in the brokenness, in the isolation, in the hurt, and in the despair, in the desperation of soul that these 10 lepers found themselves in. It says this, it says that he passed through, it said he entered a certain village. There met him 10 men who were lepers who stood far off. And friend, in some way, if we're honest, the gospel preacher wants to rise up in me today and say that we are all like those lepers. And our sin is not necessarily a skin disease. Although these men had a, had, might have lost parts of their body and their, their flesh was decomposing and, and maybe they were starting to lose touch and taste and feeling and maybe they had all, all deformities over their body and, and skin diseases and all sorts of things. Who really know? Maybe they had growths and tumours and they certainly had a death sentence on their life. They certainly, as far as society saw them, they were people, they were outcasts. They had this death sentence on them by 
by their community and as a result, they were isolated. And as a result of their isolation, they were living in this constant space of despair. These men had natural circumstances that were rapidly deteriorating. By this time, hands and fingers and toes and pieces of their nose might have been dropping off. The sickness had taken a considerable toll, not only on their the physical aspect of their life, but you and I know whenever we've suffered with some sort of sickness or prolonged pain or brokenness that it takes a toll, not only on the physical, not only on our energy, but also on our ability to keep believing. Their bodies were placing all the energy into repair, but there was no reprieve. There are some things in your life, leper, I'm talking to you right now. Please don't be offended by me calling you leper because I'm I'm as leprous as you are where we have broken things, where we have things in our life and you and I are the lepers and our leprosy is not a disease that affects our body. Our leprosy is sin that affects our soul. It disrupts us. It causes us to be broken. It causes us to to have very similar effects that a physical leprosy would have had to these 10 lepers. And some of these things and some of these circumstances, you can go and see all the religions. You can get crystals and you can try to find health and healing. You can, uh, you can, you can even come to church, Christian church on a regular basis. But friend, none of those things have the solution that you need. Some things in your life, man, I feel just the, I feel the power of God right now. There are some things in your life, sir, ma'am, young person, whoever you are, young and old, there are some things in your life that you must begin to acknowledge and realize that only Jesus can be the solution. I'm preaching right now very much into where our generation is at. As we as see your leprosy is something, it's in a device that's in infecting you, friend. Young person, you spend more time in there than you do contemplating the greatness and the goodness of the future that God has for your life. And there are some things that depression will not be alleviated, that cancer will not be healed. But more importantly, that sin cannot be washed away and cleansed and forgiven and your brokenness can and separation from God cannot be healed without the living person of Jesus. Jesus is the only one. And there, I admire and what I admire and what I love and I'm deeply encouraged and stirred about these men is that despite their situation and despite their current disability, they cried out to Jesus with an emphatic, an emphatic cry. They cried out with a loud cry, a passionate cry a boisterous cry. They did not care about who was around. They'd heard the stories of Jesus. And whilst they still stood afar off, the Bible tells us that Jesus was just passing by. But without that cry, they may not have got Jesus' attention that day. And our English translation of the Bible places what we call as an exclamation point. At the end of their statement, Jesus Master, have mercy on us. 
Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. If you don't know how to pray, there's a good place to start. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. Come on, pray that prayer right now. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. There are some things that God's going to allow in your life until you get to a place where that is the one thing that is coming out of your mouth. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And I'm praying, I've been praying this week, I've been praying this week desperately for your life that the thing that you would begin to pray is Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. Have mercy on my soul, Lord. Save me. Have mercy on my physical condition, Lord. And it was an emphatic cry. See, herein, right within their cry, they didn't just acknowledge Jesus as Saviour, they acknowledged him as Master. I believe it was that declaration that got the attention of Jesus. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Many people, the Bible records, hundreds of people sometimes, thousands of people pressed and were around Jesus, calling on his name, knowing, knowing that he was a miracle-working God. These crowds were constantly pressing about him, but the declaration of Jesus as, as uh, of the declaration of him as master was a declaration of faith over what they were going through. It was an acknowledgement that we're going through pain, we're isolated, we're separated, but we can acknowledge, we can have faith still that, Lord, whilst we're still going through it, you are Lord. They were saying we know it's bad, we know it's life-threatening, we know it's terminal, we know it's hard. We know that, we know it looks like it's getting worse, but you, Jesus, are the master. You are the Lord, you are able, you are over all, you are the healer, you are Jesus. You're Jesus. You are Jesus. See, I think one of the most significant issues that we have in our time is that we've, um, we've become so proficient and excellent at doing Sunday church. And especially in the West, we, we don't have the needs that some of these people have. We don't have the needs that the underground church in, in oppressed parts of the world have. And so as a result, our cry is different. Our cry is for more money. Our cry is for, for an upgrade in some sort of area. Our cry is for a better car park. Our, our, our cry is for... Um, our cry is for, for, for uh, um, I don't want to, our, our cry is for business class as opposed to economy. And I'm not against any of those things. All of those things are wonderful and, 
And I'm not saying that we shouldn't ask the Lord for those sorts of things, but I'm just trying to put into perspective that our cry is out of whack because our cry should be less about earthly treasures and more about the ultimate treasure, which is Jesus. It's my prayer that you would, that you would allow the, the Holy Spirit to possess and consume your heart again. It's my prayer that you would have, uh, that you would come to a place in your life where you would have a hunger inside of you only for the things of Jesus. I'm not saying you don't have the job and the car and the house and the family and the kids and all those sorts of things. But my prayer is that you and I would be possessed with a passion and a cry inside of us, not a normal church cry. And I think that's the different here, not a Western church cry, but a true cry from our heart, not just a noise and not just a sound, not just a song, but something that comes from deep within us that says, Jesus, above everything, I want you. I want who you are. And I believe that God, Jesus, may not have heard them that day if they just cried a normal church cry. And I'm coming right at our religion right now. I'm coming right at the fact that we rock up to church week in and week out. And when we get there, we don't have an expectation that Jesus is going to move. And so as a result, we worship to the level of our expectation. And that is why our, our worship is not exuberant. It's not passionate. It's not loud. It's not reverent. It's not something that is pure because we are coming before God with a low level of expectation because really what we're doing is we're coming before religion and we're becoming coming before church and we're hoping the sermon, the pastor, the worship leader, the songs, we're hoping those things are right. But I pray that we as a church community would get to a place when we're not concerned about those things being right. But there is a hunger inside of us despite those things, whether they're good, whether they're just average, or whether they're really, really bad. Whether there's a drum kit and the drummer's out of time or whether the drummer's in time, whether there's whether they're, they're singing the right songs that we like or don't like, I don't care about those things anymore. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would possess you in such a way that you would say, Lord, I want you. And when I come before you, I'm believing you. I'm believing that you are going to move and you are going to show up. And when I approach you, I'm not approaching the church as if it's master, but I'm approaching you through the vehicle of our Sunday worship services or through other ways that we are devoted to the Lord, that you are Lord. It wasn't just a normal church cry. He may not, not have stopped to heal them. He may not have heard them if it was just one of those cries. These men stood at a distance. I know that we as a church would have this. See, it's not just a sound. It's a cry. <laughs> this is good. It's not just a song. It's not just a song. It's it's, it's a desire from the heart. It's, it's not just simply the articulation of the mouth. It's, 
It's not just a song or a sermon, but a man or a woman that is set ablaze with a declaration that is communicated with an exclamation. A sound or a noise does not impress God, but what really gets his attention is a cry. We rewind to Exodus chapter 1 and the Bible tells us that, or is it chapter 3 rather, the Bible says when God speaks to Moses that he has heard the cry of the people. And there is a sound that penetrates heaven and it's not just a sound in the sense of a song or the sound in the sense of a prayer, but it is the sound of prayer and the sound of song and the sound of, of our hearts when it's mingled and mixed with a true desire in our heart. That's the cry that touches heaven and that is the cry that causes heaven to touch earth. Maybe, can we just go a little bit deeper today? Can I suggest to you today, can can we just be, can can I just speak to our church at the moment? We're on a journey where we're not wanting to just live out normal, everyday kind of week in, week out Christianity. We're wanting, we're wanting to have this cry every day. We're wanting to wake up on a Monday and we're wanting to have a cry in our hearts for the Lord. We're sick of just boring, old, stale Sunday service Christianity. We want to be devoted every day to Jesus. Then when we gather on Sundays like we do, we want to see the community of God come together with such a hunger for him that the world is turned upside down as a result. But I think part of the problem with the Western church, and maybe it's your life, I know it's certainly been my life in seasons, is Jesus talks about this illustration and we talk a lot about it as a church where he says, hey, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is like, like a wine, like a, like a wineskin. And he talks about a new wineskin versus an old wineskin. And he says that if you were to get wine and pour new wine into an old wineskin, what takes place when you put new wine into a new wineskin, the process of fermentation begins to take place. And as a result, that wine releases gases and it expands and contracts and grows and does what it needs to do as it goes through that process of fermentation. And when you put new wine into an old wineskin, the problem is is that as the wine ferments and as it does what it needs to do to become what it needs to become, the wineskin, an old wineskin is brittle It's lost its elasticity and as a result, the wineskin splits, it breaks and the the wine is spoiled and spilled and the wineskin is broken. And Jesus says that's why you can't put new wine, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit, into an old wineskin. And my fear for the church, my prayer as I pray, daily for the church, for our church, for me as the church, for us as the church as a community, for the church in the earth is that we would stop bringing before the Lord an old wineskin and asking him to put new wine in it. 
We keep asking, we keep bringing the same worship, right? And I'm not talking about the same song. I'm not saying we sing different songs every week. I'm talking about your heart now. I'm talking about your life now. I'm talking about the expectation that you come with before the Lord to worship him, wherever that is. And we're asking the Lord to pour and put out new wine and revival and we're praying all the right things, but we keep bringing the same wineskin. God is such a good steward of who he is and believes in the process and the development of our life that I believe he just, this old wine keeps in the old wineskin. And so we keep experiencing the same level of anointing and outpouring of his wine, his spirit in our lives. But God is saying, I want to do more, but I need you to bring a new wineskin. And this is what these guys did. They brought a hunger. They brought something of the spirit that brought about a transformation in their life, brought about a healing, brought about a healing. Jesus, master, have mercy on The only last thing that I want to point out today is that the Bible tells us that as they walked, he said, go and show yourselves to the priest. Priests in those days acted as kind of like health inspectors, if you like. It's probably the best way of describing it. And if you were healed of leprosy or cured or something like that happened, you would have to go and show yourself to the priest and the priest would sign off on whether you were clean or not and able to come back into society, come back into community, come back into relationship. And so whilst these 10 still had leprosy, Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priests. Go and show yourselves to the priests. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. Friends, some miracles happen instantly and other miracles happen as you walk out the word that God has spoken. The Bible encourages us to walk worthy of the calling, walk worthy of the upward call in Christ Jesus. To walk out the word in this case meant breaking free of the fear of man. It meant breaking free of the fear of tradition. It meant breaking free of the fear to conform. To walk out the word is to take daily step away from what you know and run into what he has said. It may not make sense, but when his word, the word, it is the word, it doesn't matter. And sometimes his word defies logic. It defies reason. It, every step in his word is a step away from the world and a step away from sin. It's a step away from the world's way of doing things into a radical obedience as we walk out his word. And you've got to know that your miracle might not happen instantaneously, but it will happen as you walk it out. Why? Because the the walking out of his word is the faith that Jesus sees, which brings and activates something in your life and healing happens. It's a step into and a conscious choice to consecrate and to dedicate and to devote yourself to Christ above everything else. I believe that there are people listening to this right now that God's spoken to you to invest in a new level in the area of ministry. 
I believe that there's people here that God is speaking to about business and entrepreneurial activity. I believe that there are people that are listening to this today and God's asking you to reconcile a relationship with someone. I believe that there are people here today that God is speaking to you and God is speaking to you about stepping out in the realm of the prophetic and the gifts of the spirit. I believe that there's someone here today, the Lord's speaking to you about starting a podcast or starting a YouTube channel or doing something like that to bring glory to the name of Jesus. And friend, the miracle and the breakthrough might not happen right at the start, but as you step out into it, I believe that God will open the doors and the miracle will begin to take place. Healing is found in the walking out of the word. The word produces faith in our lives. Faith comes by hearing, the Bible says. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. That word in the Greek, that word, word, this is confusing, is there's two words in the Bible for the word, word. One is the word logos, and it really refers to the written word. It refers to a more of an academic type of word. And the other word for word in the Bible is the word rhema, and that is the spoken word, the revealed word, revelation word. So faith comes by hearing and by hearing the rhema word, not hearing the logos word, I know plenty of people that are very academic that know this, but they don't walk in faith. Faith doesn't come by just doing this. Faith comes by doing this, but when you've got ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to you and you go and apply that word. Faith comes by hearing the rhema word, the spoken, the revealed word. Not just about learning scriptures off by heart, but allowing that word to come and speak into your heart and change you. The word is a lamp unto your feet. It's a light unto your path. And as you walk out the word, transformation takes place. And I'm just here to really encourage someone today. You might feel like a leper. Now's the time to walk out that word. Jesus is a healer. Jesus is master. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. My prayer today that that becomes your prayer. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I'm praying that whenever you enter a worship service or your own time of prayer, I'm praying it wouldn't just be a sound. I'm praying that it would be a cry to God. I'm praying that we would just stop playing games and that we would just have this thing in our spirit that says, Lord, Would you do something in my heart? Would you use me? I pray that you would start praying some dangerous prayers. God, use me. Lord, whatever it takes, I'm yours. God, if you ask me to speak, I'll speak. If you ask me to pray, I'll pray. If you ask me to fast, I'll fast. It's my prayer that you say, God, I want to bring a new wineskin. What is that? I'm praying that next time you're in a moment of praise and worship and Song, I'm praying that you were so, um, you were just in that, you're just in a place where you you are so exuberant and enthusiastic in your praise and your worship. I pray that like this man, these, these leprous men, that you would walk 
away from the fear of man and into the call of God, that you would walk away from the tradition of man and walk into the call of God. I pray that you would walk away from all of those things. You would break free from those things, the fear to conform, the fear to act like the rest of the world, the fear to dress the way they do, the fear to have the amount of followers they have, and you would just pursue him with all your heart. And most of all, I'm praying that you would be like that one leper, that the Bible says he was the one that returned to give glory to God. This is a this is a big this is a picture of the church. This is a picture of the church. It's a picture of us. It was a Samaritan. No, it wasn't a Jew. It was a Samaritan. Samaritans and Jews should have never mixed. Jesus should have never ministered to this man or these men or in this town. But that's what the gospel does. The gospel reaches places religion says it shouldn't. That's the grace of God. The gospel is as effective in the in the in the father's life that's wrecked his marriage and is depressed and is lonely the gospel the grace of god reaches you sir it reaches your life the gospel reaches the drug addict and the prostitute and the homeless and the poor likewise the gospel reaches who our society deem have it all together the celebrity and the rich and the famous the gospel reaches places that is the good news of Jesus but it's up to us to respond and it's up to us to have a heart that says I'm coming back to give glory and I'm going to throw myself at the feet of Jesus giving glory and thanks to him father I thank you for this time together and I pray you'd speak to our hearts to my heart In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed. We'll talk soon.